And so just this caught in between feeling of, oh, like, you know, I'm not Asian enough, but I'm not Jewish enough either. And then it was really finding the adoptee community as an adult when I finally was like, oh, wait, this feels like I belong here. You're listening to Alchemical Voices, a podcast exploring the lives of BIPOC, transracial adoptees and survivors of complex trauma. Hi, I'm Jaslyn, your host, a nurse and trauma release practitioner, curiously observing the human experience. As a black woman and survivor of human trafficking, I've encountered many, many hardships. On the road to recovery, I discovered that storytelling unites us at heart and is where we find healing, inspiration and encouragement. In each episode, you'll hear stories from courageous souls and we will touch on subjects such as identity confusion, the impacts of racism, complex trauma, transracial adoption and much more. How do we rise amid trials and tribulations? How do we invite softness into our lives? We touch on these and many other questions, so tune in to experience transformative storytelling and let's heal together. Hi and welcome everybody. This is Jaslyn. Today we have a special guest all the way from Canada with us, Shelley Rottenberg, and uh, I'm super excited for this conversation um, because Shelley is a transracial adoptee and we are going to be hearing about her journey and I have been very excited to to get to know more about you, Shelley. So, yeah, if you just tell us a little about who you are and, yeah, then we can dive right into your journey. Yeah, sure. So thank you so much for having me. Um, Yeah, I'm a transracial adoptee. I'm from China, and I was eight months old when I was adopted. Uh, I was brought to Canada, and my mom, she's a single parent. She's Jewish. Um, I do have a younger sister as well, and she's also adopted from China, but a different city in a different province. Um, yeah, so growing up, I, I don't think I really realized how tra- like transracial adoption affected me until more recently. Um, and yeah, over the last two, three years, I've gotten quite involved in the adoptee community, taking up different leadership positions and volunteering with adoptee-focused organizations. And so I've learned a lot about myself and my adoptee identity also just about adoption in general. And so it's been a really great journey that, you know, I realize will continue on for the rest of my life. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay. So if there is somewhere you would like to start, like what's been the most, you could start with like, what's been the most challenging thing about being a transracial adoptee? Yeah, I think just the identity piece. I didn't really know what it meant to be Chinese or Asian when I was growing up. I just knew that, oh, I have black hair and it was very much just like the way I looked, but you know, I didn't know what it meant to be Chinese or to be Asian. Um, I grew up in a predominantly white area and so there wasn't a lot of Asians at my school or like in the area that I lived. Um, and it wasn't until university that I was exposed to like just much more diversity um, and, and then even then, once there was access to maybe Asian clubs, you know, cultural things, I didn't feel like I could be.
be a part of that because they everyone else had this shared upbringing and certain hobbies and interests and things that I just didn't have. And so even though they were very welcoming and nice, it was very internal where I felt, oh, like I won't fit in with these people. So I think just that issue of, you know, feeling very white on the inside, even though when people look at me, you know, they see that I'm Chinese, that I'm Asian, but that just that disconnect and how like I perceive myself and how other people perceive me, even with like, you know, small little things, I didn't just understand like racial issues or stereotypes and things like that. And I remember when in high school, people were going around saying if each person looks smart. And so when I asked like, oh, do I look smart? You know, there's kind of like a pause and they're like, oh yeah, but I think it's because you wear glasses. And I didn't really understand even at that time that like, I was like, oh, being smart's a good thing. Like why they <laughs> seemed hesitant to say I was smart. Um, and yeah, I think just that piece of feeling like, oh, I should be more Asian. Like I'm not enough of this. Like I need to do more. Um, like my mom did try to instill like the culture in me growing up but you know she's not in that culture either so I think it's very difficult for her to try to do that um, mm -hmm. she tried to put me in Mandarin classes when I was younger um, I appreciate that and at the time I don't think I appreciated it enough I didn't really see the value in it and it wasn't something I was super interested in so she didn't force me to do it but you know now not knowing like Mandarin I've tried to learn it on Duolingo but it's very difficult now as an adult and also you know I don't have like I'm not immersed in an environment where I'd have to use it a lot so it's very tricky so I've kind of given on, up on that for now um, in terms of like traditions and holidays and stuff you know when I was younger, my mom was connected to other parents who adopted from China. So sometimes, you know, one family would like host a, maybe a Lunar New Year celebration. And so all of the families would get together. And so oftentimes if I did celebrate, it was with like other adoptees when I was younger. But then, you know, growing up, like I kind of lost touch, you know, people kind of go off to school and different things happen. So I didn't really stay connected with a lot of those people. But now as an adult, I've reconnected with the online adoptee community. And that has led to kind of me helping create more of an in-person community uh, with the closest city to where I am is Toronto. And so I help host like local meetups there. And we just celebrated Lunar New Year this past weekend together by going to a dim sum place. And there's some wow. festivities going on in Chinatown. And so I feel like you know before it might have felt like I had to learn more out of like this pressure or like almost feeling like ashamed that I just don't already know this stuff because I'm supposed to and now it's much more me trying to focus on learning about my culture but just from a place of curiosity and excitement as opposed to any negative pressure or feelings. Mm -hmm. oh, beautiful thank you for sharing that. Um, so just going back to the confusion you mm. mentioned in the beginning, um, can you say a little bit more about how did it make you feel not really understanding where you belonged? And as you said, you felt very white inside. Mm -hmm. Like, how was that experience for you? Yeah, I think it was weird. Like, uh, even yeah, there wasn't many Asians growing up, but I remember there was one other Chinese girl when I was in elementary school. And like one day she came and she was teaching people how to do like Chinese characters and how to spell certain words and things like that. And I think at the time it was kind of, you know, I didn't know how to do that. Maybe I felt a bit jealous that it's like she was raised and grew up in that culture. She had Asian parents. And, you know, this is something that I didn't have as easy access to. Um, 
and it, it was just very confusing, like you said. And like、mm. university, instead of joining Asian or Chinese clubs, I ended up gravitating towards. Oh, there was a Jewish sorority that you know someone reached out to me. I didn't even know there was like sororities or fraternities at in Canada.、Um, and because of my last name, which is、uh, Jewish, that's how they found me, like on Facebook. And、mm-hmm. so then I thought, oh, okay, this is an opportunity to try to connect with like you know the Jewish side, even though I wasn't raised. You know, with a strong sense of the Jewish culture and、um, the religion necessarily.、Um, mm-hmm. So even in those spaces, I didn't really feel like I quite belonged because there was people who had all these shared experiences, like going to Jewish day school or going on birthright or knowing the language or keeping kosher. And so that too was this element of me trying to fit in there and realizing, no, this doesn't feel like 100% right to me. Like I was trying to force myself to fit in, but you know, physically, I didn't really look like everyone else because there wasn't many Jewish people of color in those spaces. And then also just like missing out on some of those things that they had growing up that they can all relate to, and just even that knowledge of there's just certain things they know about like Judaism that you know I wouldn't know, so I'd be learning about it. But it just kind of was that second wave of like, oh, I'm trying to learn about something that I don't already know a lot about, and I just feel like an outsider.、Um, hmm. And so just this caught in between feeling of oh, like you know I'm not Asian enough, but I'm not Jewish enough either. And then it was really finding the adoptee community as an adult when I finally was like, oh wait, this feels like I belong here. Like the other people, even though we all have different experiences, those similarities and you know certain things that other people just get and understand. I don't have to explain myself. That was、yeah. like very nice, and I feel like it really helped me in finding just more confidence in who I am and realizing、yeah. that it's kind of okay to be that in between. Um, and I don't have to feel like, oh, I have to be, you know, in this box or under this label. Like, I guess the adoptee identity feels very comfortable to me, and I'm like, oh, this finally makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful what you just shared. I definitely recognize that in my own journey too. Um, just everything you shared, <laughs> <laughs> and meeting other、uh, adoptees that sh- share similar experiences. It's.、Mm. Um, that sense of belonging, I think, it's really important for all、mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. And it's it's vital for our mental health. So when we feel like we don't belong,、mm-hmm. um, I f- I think that creates great suffering. Hmm. Um. Did you experience that at any point? Like, like why am I here? And and <laughs> like just that, you know, it it doesn't make sense. I mean, did you ever have these kind of conversations with your mother or with your、mm. sister? Who's also adopted, right? From yeah, China. She's、mm-hmm. from China as well. I think you would. I probably talked about it a bit more with my mom. Like her and I have a good relationship, and you know, I feel open to talk a lot, like to her about a lot of things.、Um, okay. My sister too. Like we have a good relationship. I just at this point in her life, she's not、um, as interested in like. You know, identifying as an adoptee or with the community and, and things.、Um, so even though we both are adopted,、uh, the, we haven't had too many conversations between us about it. And、mm-hmm. so I think it's nice to just 
have like that my mom adopted her as well so that I have a sister who has the same experiences but I think in terms of being able to kind of dive into some of these conversations I did do my undergraduate thesis on the lived experiences of Chinese adoptees in Canada and she was like my first interviewee to practice my uh, interview guide with mm-hmm. um, yeah. but she's four and a half years younger than me so you know a lot of her question uh, answers were very like matter of the fact and she hadn't thought about I think some of the topics I was trying to ask about too deeply, but at the mm-hmm. time when I was her age, when I was interviewing her, like I also probably would have answered the same because it's not something I had really thought about. But I have mm-hmm. talked about things with my mom and just realizing that in all of her ways that she did try like her best to raise me with the culture. And I think the more I've spoken out recently about, you know, struggling with my identity, like I would even say, you know, I had like an identity crisis once I hit university and I was kind of like, oh, all these people who look like me, but I can't relate to them. And, you know, I think a part of her feels bad that she couldn't do more or, you know, that that I had to kind of struggle in that way. But I think, you know, seeing me now where I'm sharing my story and being more open and kind of embracing who I am, I mean, she's been very happy and proud of that. And so it's just really nice to have her like, you know, support this whole journey that I've been going through. And whenever I'm like, you know, featured somewhere giving a talk, she always likes to share it on her Facebook. And like, it's just so it's really nice to have that. Um, But yeah, so I think she does like from me speaking and telling my story and talking to her, like I think she does uh, understand, especially now, like maybe at the time she didn't as much, but I think that those university years, I mean, she saw me kind of struggling to find my place. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think she did see, I, I remember one of the times that I was trying to kind of force myself to go to some of these Jewish events. Um, I remember, you know, I was very shy growing up and maybe that's part of being like a transracial adoptee is I just wasn't very comfortable maybe in my own skin and who, with who I am. So I'm I'm not sure, but I was very quiet. Um, and so even into university, I feel like it took like near the end of my university years to finally kind of open up more and just be more comfortable with myself. But, you know, early on in the first year, when I was really trying to fit into these different spaces, you know, sometimes I'd go to these Jewish events and it's just like, because I wasn't very comfortable there, I'd just be so quiet. And it kind of felt like I was just there, but like people, you know, didn't even, they wouldn't remember me almost. Like I was just there experiencing the event, but kind of watching like almost as a bystander. And I remember like coming back and I was talking to my mom when I came back and telling her that it just felt so out of place and I didn't feel comfortable. And then, you know, she was kind of like, you don't have to force yourself to go to things. Like I was just, I came, that one event, I came back. I was just very like, kind of distraught I was just like what mm-hmm. it was very much like I felt like oh there's something wrong with me that I'm mm-hmm. going to this thing I can't just chat and have a good time and blend in with this group and so it's like I think in the beginning I, I internalized that I was like oh you know yeah. there's something that I need to do different or better or more of so that I can feel a part of some of these different spaces uh, so she definitely saw like you know there that um journey that part of the journey um and again she was very supportive and so I think that helps that that I was able to talk to her about it and then you know she encouraged me but you know in my own way like helped me to kind of 
she she's a social worker actually she used to be a social worker so I feel like growing up she would always talk about how it's really important to like have your voice and to own it and stuff and so it's just mm. interesting because I've realized that that has been like the most important thing and so kind yeah. of through those messages you know like she was talking about just holding on to your power and things like that so you know slowly but surely that's what I was able to end up doing through finding the adoptee community but I really appreciate yeah. like her being supportive in those times and, and even now and throughout everything honestly <laughs> yeah amazing she sounds incredible your mom like that <laughs> yeah. my experience is very very different mm -hmm. so I'm very glad to hear that that was your experience of having a, a supportive parent because many adoptees do not mm -hmm. and you, I'm, I'm sure you are aware of that yeah. So, um, wow. Good job, mom. <laughs> uh, no, really, I'm very happy on your behalf that you have this kind of relationship with her because it's so important that we have these kinds of relationships mm. when we go through something as I don't even know what the word is, but it's just very it's a very big thing being an yeah. adoptee and realizing it, you know, it's it's massive and people don't get this. But we, mm, we it's yeah. not it's also something that we don't talk about very much, like yeah. how impactful it is. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'm very happy for you. Um, coming back to that community, you mentioned mm -hmm. the adoptee community and yes. the things that you're doing here. Can you talk a little bit more about so how did you find these communities and what what has it done for you? Like, How has it changed your life meeting other adoptees? Yeah, I think um, it the kind of the tip of the iceberg was doing my thesis on adoptees and talking to some other participants. And I, I focused on, you know, identity and also inclusion versus exclusion um, and things like that. Except when I was doing interviews for my research project, you know, I was asking the questions and they were answering. And it was I was able to reflect and I heard a bit of different experiences. So I think that was the beginning of kind of opening my view on like, oh, yeah, not everyone has the same experience as me. But, you know, it wasn't as reciprocal. I wasn't able to necessarily share my experiences back because I was supposed to be, you know, hearing what they had to say and then writing about that. So then when the pandemic hit in 2020, I think, you know, I graduated and then I, I, I was unemployed for a while and I kind of had all this time and I was like, I don't know what to do. You know, there was kind of a mix of like stay at home orders and lockdowns and things like that. So that time is when I was already a part of some of the Facebook groups for adoptees, specifically Asian adoptees. Um, but I became more involved in those, you know, seeing kind of Facebook posts where people would write about something. And I was like, oh, my God, I've had that exact experience. Um, mm -hmm. And then eventually it kind of led to someone um, having the idea of let's do some Zoom calls while we're all stuck at home. And so attending those Zoom calls and it was just such an interesting feeling being in a Zoom call. At the beginning, there wasn't even that many people, but kind of looking onto my screen and seeing all these boxes of other Asian adoptees. And I was like, well, wow, because again, since being a kid, I hadn't had that experience and again, yeah. when I was younger, I couldn't really articulate all of my feelings and thoughts about this stuff. It wasn't until much later, looking back, that I was able to kind of piece stuff together. And then mm -hmm. hearing other adoptees talk about their experiences, I feel like that was helping me process things and connecting some of the dots and realizing, oh, wait, like, yeah, now it all makes sense. And so I yeah. feel like that has helped give me the confidence of knowing, oh, I'm not alone. Other people share these experiences as well. And and then again, learning about 
other experiences that are different from my own, you know, outside mm-hmm. of maybe just transracial adoption or outside of international adoption or Asian adoption and all these things. And so it's been really mm-hmm. great for me to kind of have this better, bigger picture of how everything works. You know, first I'm viewing it very much from my perspective, but then getting yeah. that chance to connect with other people who have similar but, you know, still different experiences. And then that's, you know, changed in a way like how I view everything about, you know, my story versus kind of just things that, you know, have happened kind of on a larger scale, some of the systems at play and the different people who are involved in adoption. Um, so I feel like it's been really great. And then after joining like some of the Facebook groups, that's when I found different organizations. So I'm a part of China's Children International and Asian Adoptees of Canada and Child and Youth Permanency Council of Canada. Um, and a little bit uh, still, but it was a little bit more before, but formerly FCCNY, which was Families with Children from China, New York. And they're now called Chinese Adoptees Alliance. Um, and so connecting with all those different ones, you know, sometimes I would help out with maybe a, like hosting a virtual event and that opportunity to kind of help plan and then create the, those spaces online to bring people to, together. And so now like that I'm doing that in person in Toronto, like helping create meetups where we can meet in person. I mean, that has been so much like uh, wow. not more, but it's just a different kind of feeling like, you know, that uh, satisfying and fulfilling, I guess, mm-hmm. to have those online, some of those online connections turn into in person and just, yeah. you know, that opportunity to physically meet up with people. And then again, like share, like maybe dim some together or talk about stuff in person. And so all those conversations have just been really, I, I would say like life changing because yeah. again, the way I viewed myself has changed and just that I've been able to grow more confident and just embrace who I am. That's like affected all areas of my life and then as I share you know people who've known me for a while I've never talked about being adopted this much and in this way so I feel like it's allowed some of the people that are close to me to become even more closer to me because now they kind of know the full Shelly you know me being my authentic self so it's had so many great positive impacts yeah wow what a journey that sounds absolutely (laughs) amazing wow um, so the, the the activities you do in your local, com- in your mm-hmm. community, um, can you say a little bit more about, you, you mentioned a couple of things, but is it, do you also have like um, speaks, not really motivational speaks, but like speaks from, you know, adoptee to adoptee, so they know that they're not alone and so they know that you may be feeling this, you, you may be thinking this, it's it's common, this is my story. Or is it just gatherings to like hang out, eat and fun activities? Mm-hmm. Like, do you say... create space? Sorry. Do you create okay. space for like the, the, the mental health aspect of mm. yeah being an adoptee? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that, you know, the originally, you know, it's just to create community. And so we plan events where it is more social, like, oh, let's grab lunch together Mm -hmm. and let's do this activity together. We did a karaoke room, which was cool because that was the first time I did karaoke room. (laughs) Um, So I think it starts off with like, let's just create this space for people to come together. But I think it always naturally ends up, you know, 
we we all are adoptees, so we end up talking about adoption and people end up talking about their experiences and, oh, what's your view on this? And so, you know, it's kind of hard to separate the two of let's yeah. just hang out and have a fun time versus, oh, let's create the space where we can talk about some of our feelings and experiences and what are the similarities and differences there. I think that always happens naturally, even though that's not like what we advertise it as. It's like, let's have an adoptive event where we specifically talk about adoption and, you know, all the, those things. But it just happens. And again, it's in a very like natural way, I would say. Um, and so I feel like sometimes the conversation might be a bit more serious or might be a bit more like where we're laughing about something that we can all relate to. That's that's, you know, other people wouldn't get. But it's kind of like, oh, it's funny because we get it. Um, yeah. So I feel like that does happen. And then having that in-person community and being able to talk about things, you know, as they come to mind, I, I do think that maybe would have, at least for me, it has a positive impact on my mental health. So I would hope mm -hmm. that others are finding that supportive aspect coming out of these uh, in-person meetups. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, do you see yourself doing more work in the adoptee community? Yeah, I think it's like I would have never thought at the beginning of the pandemic that, you know, fast forward, this is where I would be now. I don't think I intentionally set out to, you know, take on these roles and to speak this much, but it's just been something that once I started, it's like, oh, I couldn't stop because it, it almost felt like, oh, I'm like feeding my soul. Like this feels so good and it, I'm really passionate about it that I was like oh I want to do more of this I want to make this a bigger part of my life so I feel like because at least for right now like it's something that I'm still very passionate about I do imagine that I would continue and maybe kind of increase in different ways like my involvement or try to expand it I'm not mm -hmm. sure what that would look like necessarily um, but I think you know, sometimes things have just fallen to my lap. Like I haven't sought out certain opportunities to speak about my story or sometimes I have. Um, mm -hmm. So it's kind of been a mix of both. But I really like that that's happened. Um, and I think I would like to yeah, try to figure out how to continue this journey. Um, and then maybe, you know, at some point in my life, it, it won't be as big part of, of who I am and what I choose to do with my time. But for at least right now, this is something that I'm still really enjoy doing. I think like the next thing, I, it's been hard to find time to like write, but I really, especially early in the pandemic, I found like writing creatively helped me process my thoughts and feelings. Um, and so yeah. I would write poetry about like my experiences as an adoptee. And so, you know, one day I hope to take all those poems and maybe publish my own book um, mm -hmm. and put that into the world kind of just yeah. as more of a like you know this is who I am and it's all written kind of in these words that you know are very important to me and I've written them sometimes at times where I felt really confused or things like yeah. that so I think that would be really cool to accomplish I just need to you know kind of devote more time to that um, yeah yeah I would definitely read your your autobiography oh thank you for sure <laughs> um yeah yeah I, I saw that you have a blog and you have an Instagram Mm -hmm. And I will be um, putting that in the in in this episode's uh, description, so people know where they can find you, find your work, follow mm -hmm. your journey, mm -hmm. and uh, so they'll know when you launch your autobiography, where <laughs> 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 they can read your entire story. Oh, thank yeah, you. yeah. Use your voice. I'm all about that. <laughs> um. So, if there's any adoptees listening to this right now. 
Is there anything, any message that you would like to give them? Yeah, I guess just thinking about like some of the times where I felt, oh, like I don't belong anywhere or I don't fit in or I'm not enough of this or that. Like, first of all, those feelings are completely valid. And, you know, it makes sense, especially for transracial adoptees to kind of have that, you know, confused state or, you know, you don't know who you are. You know, it takes you a while to kind of go on to that journey. So, I mean, just knowing that, yeah, there's lots of other people who who experience that. It's okay. And then to not try to feel bad or try to think that you need to change yourself. Um, and then also just that there are other people out there and there is community. You know, for me, it started with finding it online first before it was an in-person thing. Um, and so I think just looking out uh, for those types of groups and finding people. And then even if there isn't as much that you can find online, you know, to not be afraid to try to create that community for yourself. If it's something that, you know, you have the capacity to do to kind of take on a more leadership role and take initiative, because I think for me, that's been really helpful, especially in Canada. I know there's much more resources and opportunities and things in the United States. And so I think for the longest time, it's like I hadn't seen any adoptees groups that were for adults. You know, a lot of it when I was younger, it was led by parents. Um, and so it's been nice kind of as an adult kind of seeing myself and other adoptees too create these spaces and create these opportunities and resources. So just that, you know, knowing that people can do that and it's not something that I thought I would ever do or, you know, I think there can be sometimes some self-doubt and, oh, I don't know. But if if you're feeling that way, there's a good chance other people are feeling that way. And so, mm-hmm. you know. To, to kind of take that leap, especially if it's something that you think would benefit, you know, for yourself, you know, it could be very therapeutic and healing to have that connection with other adoptees. So to kind of yeah. seek that out and know that it does exist in the world out there. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And it's so important that everyone knows you are not alone. There are yes. so many out there like you that feeling like you're feeling right now that have the same thoughts that are going through confusion you are absolutely not alone mm-hmm. Shelly thank you so much for joining us today I'm so so grateful and I'm so grateful that we got to connect on Instagram I yes. am so excited to follow your your work your journey everything and who knows maybe we will meet in person one day you yeah. never know that would be That'd amazing be so cool. If there was like some kind of transracial adoptee event yeah. <laughs> sometime in the future, I would love that because mm-hmm. I don't know that many adoptees and the few I know I've actually met on Instagram. <laughs> uh, there you go. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Online is the way to go. Did you hear that people? Yeah. Find you, start finding fellow adoptees online. Mm-hmm. So Shelly, is there anything you want to say before we end or... Anything Um, we didn't touch on? I don't think so. I think like your questions were really Mm -hmm. good. And just, you know, thank thank you you so much for using your platform to amplify, you know, other adoptees, transracial, like ones who've had kind of those similar experiences. And so I really appreciate it. Mm, Thank you so much. And thank you for being here. And thanks to everyone who's listening. And I'll see you soon. Bye. That was it for today. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, 
please remember to raise our chemical voices and share this episode on your social media. If you would like to guest on the podcast or share your story anonymously, please find the link in the episode description. Until next time.